0: Hey, Steve. How you doing?
1: Good morning, Dan Landrum.
0: You know, you ever watch like a horse race, the Kentucky Derby or one of those kinds of things yeah. on television? Or in person, if you're lucky enough to do that. I never have. The horses that do well are often the ones that are just jumpy and they have a hard time getting them in the gate. Yeah. That's me and you so far. This is our third time to start this this morning.
1: I know. it. You know the... the um, We've
0: been fighting. Biting uh, each other.
1: They say in hospitals... The grumpy, uncooperative patients are usually the ones who survive.
0: Well, that's us today. I think we're going to survive. Why do we get grumpy? That's a complicated subject that's probably more than we should have on a podcast. I had a, I'll tell you this, can I, do you really want to pursue this for a second? Because I think it's mildly interesting okay. and has to do with personality types of people who do music for a living. Uh-huh. As I've mentioned for the last several podcasts, I'm in the middle of trying to do recording projects. Yeah, What I haven't mentioned is we're also, we've ha- we have a remodel that started on our house. So we live in a, about a 1,300 square foot home and we've moved all of our stuff either out of the home or into two rooms yeah so we we have a kitchen that's got stuff in it one little room that's got all our furniture stacked up in it and our bedroom and then there's a bathroom off of that and the rest of it's being torn up wow and i'm okay with it i think until one minor thing goes you know goes out a little bit so my schedule as i've mentioned again on the last few podcasts uh, by the way saying that you're going to do something to uh the public like this helps you to do it i've noticed that's interesting all right so first of all
1: you sh- you're talking about you getting grumpy cuz one little thing happens yep. on the remodel
0: well not necessarily on the remodel the remodel doesn't bother me i'm doing these recording projects right. and i spent so i was in i was here in the studio before 6am this morning maybe a little after 6am but I want to be in here while it's dark and nobody's up. And I, I had a little bit of reading that I had to do about a particular thing I'm trying to do in Digital Performer, which is the digital audio workstation I use. Uh, so I read that, studied that, practiced that. And then uh, I pulled in a sound file of a bow run off of Motu's ethno. That, that would not be like be, an Irish drum. That's right, an Irish drum. And I'm not going to use those on the actual recording project, but they're really good launching pads. Mm -hmm. You know, a a, a good player playing a good rhythm. And the thing that I was trying to do in Ethno was, even the good players, it's funny when you get, you you zoom in really close to uh, rhythm files in particular, something you might notice in your ear, notice in the feel of the piece, you can usually, usually zoom in and find it. And so I was noticing that even in these files, it was bugging me a little bit. There was something that just wasn't quite right. And this was the thing that was like, so it had a swing and it was Irish and it was on a bow run.
1: Okay, wait, 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 wait. There's a remodel. There's you being potentially frustrated. There's you recording. You have software that does it. You have Irish drums. There's something off. It's bothering you. All right, go on.
0: Yeah, my stories are multifaceted. So... I worked on this thing for a while trying to get this thing to feel just right because there's something I want to record to it, a, a melodic idea that I have, but I really don't want to have to redo it. I want it to be right to a good groove, you know, because this recording, because that's what you do. It's what I do anyway. I couldn't manipulate the file of the uh, Fno project. The one that was the professional guy somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, playing it. I couldn't get it to sound right. I'm like, You play Bauerin, just get yours out, because that was my ultimate goal anyway, is I was going to do it. So I sat here, and for 45 minutes, played the same thing over and over, making minor adjustments to Mm -hmm. it, trying to get it right. I've got the, actually, here's, let's see if I can pull this off. The Bauerin's in my hand. This mic isn't set up to record it, but I have a feeling you'll hear it. Oh, I just dropped my stick. But it's that. It's important that it's just right to fit this melody. So for a good 45 minutes practicing that. And out of that, I'll end up with probably uh, 30 seconds, maybe 10 seconds that I think is perfect. And I'll make a loop out of that because that's going to be the groove. And, and now,
1: nobody's ever going to hear this, but it's going to help you kind of be in the mood and, and play well.
0: No, this one that I'm going to hear that I'm playing, they're going to hear this oh, going to okay. be the final track for it. So I like to work with rhythm first. And you're and still not
1: frustrated yet.
0: No, I'm, I am I am so at the opposite end of frustrated, I am in the zone because I'm playing this thing and playing and playing and I can hear the slightest little change and I'm moving the tipper around in my hand like just a quarter of an inch forward, back, changing tippers and moving it a little bit and playing it and realizing that some of the stuff that I teach, you'll like this, some of the stuff that I teach isn't going to work exactly for this feel that I want. I've got to do some technique that I would think maybe isn't the best mm-hmm. in order to get the feel to be just right, you know, to emphasize the beats that I want to emphasize uh, and and all the supplies to, to picks and, and hammers and all this stuff. So that for me, by the end of it, I got what i'll be able to use just a little bit of that felt so good and then you got grumpy then i realized i needed to go home and get a piece get a bite of breakfast so i could get back and record this podcast i go home and there's a there's a guy there and he's doing stuff and instantly and so my plan was so i left here going home i'm gonna get this little bit of breakfast and then i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna cut out that part that i just worked on and then i'm going to record the podcast with steve and then i'm going to edit that and i had my day planned. Well during that 30 minutes that i was home i had umpteen things thrown at me. Uh move move this chair, move this table, you know, roll up this rug, take this back to the studio and that makes me grumpy. What does? It's i don't know. It's it's that I like the time when you get to get in the zone. I'm supremely happy when I get to be in that zone. Well, yeah. because you, And your narrowing like you're zooming in on this thing that you're trying to get worked out. You're zooming in, you're zooming in, and it gets better and better and better. And then you step out of that into the real world where you don't get to have that much control. And that's tough for me as an artist.
1: Well, I I know what you mean. I feel like to get into the zone i have to be real vulnerable emotionally and i kind of just open i'm wide open and then if something that normally i would have my defenses up for if something kind of comes at me i f- i feel like i have to sh- i have to put up the shields real quick like in star trek or something it's weird it's like i there's two me's the musician me opens up those Shields, and then the normal me brings them, you know, back into play, and that's why, if something weird happens before I go onto stage, you know, I go out there feeling off because those shields are up, and I can't perform like that. I can't.
0: That's an awkward time, isn't it? Yeah, when you're (laughs) when you're transitioning onto the stage, and something doesn't. So your
1: wife asked you to roll up a a rug and, and take something out of the house. And had you eaten yet?
0: I had eaten, and I even told her because I I think this is this is relationship advice. You're a very helpful man. I know. I think that you should say, "Okay, I'll do that." I wish this kind of thing didn't bug me. I said those words to her because I've kind of got a plan, and I, I want I don't want to get derailed today. And I'm just feeling it. And so we have, a, we have a great relationship. So we talk about stuff that way. And she said, I know, I know. <laughs> she said, you don't have to do this right now. But really, the smart thing was to do it right now. And the fact that I even said that to her, I wish I didn't feel this way right now. And I wish I didn't have to do this right now. And she says, you don't have to do this right now. Then I was less angry. I didn't, angry isn't even the right word. Because I don't think I'm an angry person, but there's that turmoil that you feel inside that you think, okay, this will kill me someday.
1: <laughs> well, I maybe. I mean, this, this these are not the right words, but when you're a musician or maybe any kind of artist or any kind of creator or anybody uh, really centered on a and focused on a job, um, there's a certain amount of self <laughs> focus you have to do which I guess somebody could call selfishness, but I don't know that it is. If you, if you really focused on getting something done, you know, here's the thing. I'm greedy about those moments because I don't focus that well. A lot of the time, if I'm actually focusing and something's happening, it almost feels like a gift. Like, wow, it's working. I'll take it. Let's go. And then, um, yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden the fire alarms start going off. You feel like you're missing an important delivery or something like that. I don't know.
0: Sure. There's uh, there's something to be said about planning time for being focused. There's I something know. to be said about blocking out time to be completely free. Uh, it's funny because towards the end of this process that I went through this morning, it was like 10 till 9, and my phone starts You know, people texting and just different things going on. Uh, And I felt it then too, just so you know, because it was a thing trying to take me out of that space. Now, realistically, what is that? I could just sit around making music all day long. People, what is the, I believe in music. Back to that song again. Uh, I believe in music. I believe in music. I believe in love or something like that. You just can't though, because you got to wash your face and brush your teeth and play with your children and grandchildren, and be friends to people, and take the trash out, and all that sort well, of. Well,
1: moderation things. and 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 controlling, I guess, the best you can. The context of self so, focus on a project or something. I don't know.
0: Maybe one of the reasons I was thinking about that goes to a conversation yesterday, and I'm a little bit anxious to hear what you would have said. So I had lunch with a super guy, like super like an actual man. superhero. Super guy. He's a super guy. Superhero has a good job. It's music related. I'm not going to say what it is, but, but he's a musician and he wanted to get together and talk about how uh, a musician survives and he's, he's getting together with as many people as he can because he would like to quit his real job mm-hmm. and just be a musician. Uh, where would you start with him? And, and if you, matter of fact, I'll be him and ask me a few questions to give me some advice on how I could leave my regular job and start making money making music. Hey Dan,
1: it's great to to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. What's been going on with you?
0: Well, you know, I've just been uh, doing my doing my job, and and I'm really glad to have it. Uh, but wow, I miss I miss playing music. It seems like I don't have time. Yeah, because you've got a job, right? Right, and it's a good job, and I get to do things I like within that, but uh, I'm not happy. I'm kind of unhappy, and even my wife is noticing that I'm unhappy.
1: Well, uh, why are you unhappy?
0: Because I feel like what I want to do is, you know, Steve, I feel like you have the dream job, like, like you're doing the watch thing that, that I want to do. Which is? What, what do you mean, watch out? You're, you're making your living playing music and developing art remember i'm this other guy right
1: right hey this is a uh, this is a role play conversation right anybody who's joining (laughs) late.
0: this is uh i'm somebody else
1: so uh well let's just keep things simple what if you could just if you could do if you could just make a big change today and be on the road to what you love what would what would you want to do
0: well i couldn't really be on the road because i I don't want to be that guy who forsakes his family hey corporate guy I mean metaphorical road oh you mean just moving on on.
1: (laughs) yeah if you could get on the road to doing what you love what would it be what would you be doing
0: I'd be I I know I'd be teaching some I'd be teaching some lessons I think maybe a lot I, I recognize that but I don't want to be doing it like for a studio you know where somebody Gives you students and they give you money. I'd rather be doing that on my own. I think I'd like to be doing some concerts. It'd be great if people were buying my songs.
1: So you kind of would like to do what I do more or less.
0: I think so. That's why I wanted to have lunch with you and find out.
1: Okay. So. Wow. You know. Let's let's start here. How How much of this are you doing now playing teaching recording that kind of stuff
0: i don't have any students anymore i used to back when i did this i had 40
1: uh really 40 like private students yes
0: but i was working for a studio uh
1: what about workshops group workshops what are you doing
0: now i don't do any of that anymore i don't have time i mean i just do my job and it involves some weekend events that I have to attend, and then the rest of the time, I have two children. You know, one of them's a year old. Well, that makes three sense. Three years old. What
1: about um, writing or learning new tunes, recording? Are you doing any of that?
0: I'm thinking about. Remember, I'm being this guy. Hey, I'm, I'm this thinking is about. A, this
1: is a role play this is, moment. This
0: is still a role play thing. I'm thinking about. Uh, re-recording some of the stuff that i did before and i've got some new songs yeah that i'd like to record i'm really anxious to get back into recording again
1: so but you're really not active at all right now musically
0: no not at all
1: what about like out on the porch uh on a long like a holiday weekend do you ever find like 30 minutes to just sit out there and play or something like that
0: absolutely i play for my wife i play for my kids play for my church
1: I mean, part of the—I'm not saying everybody gets—you know, there's different paths, of course. But one reason I am where I'm at, I didn't have time for music either. And I made time for it, which that's not all positive. I really did not have time. Like when I was in high school, when I was in college— um in some ways I blew it by I didn't have the time, but I did it anyway. And I did that a lot. And I did that so much that part of why I'm where I'm at now is 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 really just all ultimately because I almost couldn't stop myself from making the time for it. Now I'm not saying you have to be the same guy, but sometimes it is important just to, to look at what you've been doing, uh, as a gauge for what you're going to be doing, you know? And and I guess what, right I... now you're thinking you're, you're right on the cusp of trying to, um, make time for this. Is that what you're saying?
0: Well, I'm, you know, I'm in my early thirties now and, uh, you don't live forever, and if I'm going to do it, it seems like I'm I'm not moving in the direction of doing it right now. That's why I'm talking to people is to get some advice on how to do that. Right. And I know, I hear you talking, and I don't know that you were this way because I didn't know you during those times, but I know the people that I don't like because what I do has me be around a lot of musicians. I don't like narcissists. I don't like to be around people that you ask them how are they doing, and then they spend the next 25 minutes Really telling you about all their projects and how important they are, you know, and what they're doing, both them and their projects. You know, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. But is that what you're saying? I need to be. Not at all.
1: Uh. Uh. This. I. Okay. Let's, you want a take, break? let's take That's, a break from the role play. Let's take a play. break from the role play. I don't. This is tough I, I don't like to give advice like this at all. And this is what I want to do when somebody when somebody says something like this, then I I guess I want to say, look, only pursue this full time if you can't stop yourself. If there's absolutely no way you can move forward without doing it. Because there's so many aspects to it that are very, very hard. And I, I really think you just have to be absolutely bonkers about it. Just absolutely <laughs> in love with doing it. And if I have to say that, I mean, I think it's good. To, I got that same advice when I was in high school from my choir director. But I don't know, man. It's almost like if you're going to be an artist full-time... And try to make a living at it and, and do all the things that that entails. You're going to wear a, you're gonna have to wear a bunch of different hats. And you're going to be busy all the time if you want to do it right. And it's, you can't do everything right all the time. And it's, it's like if, if somebody's going to do that, they're kind of doing it. They're not going to have to talk themselves into doing it. It's almost like they're not going to be able to help themselves. Is that, that I don't even know that any of that's true.
0: I don't think he was trying to talk himself into doing it. He was, he's a smart guy, cares for his, you know, recognizes his responsibilities and doesn't want to let anybody down with those, but recognizes this is really what he wants to be doing. And he did it a bit before he had so many responsibilities. And I think that happens to some people, you know, uh, that, but you just can't be the artist. It's all such, the time.
1: golly. Yeah. I don't, I'm very uncomfortable talking
0: about all this. It's a good, it's a good conversation for us to have, I think. Uh, one of the things I told him was a little along the lines of where you were going, but just with a little twist. You were saying, don't do it unless you can't stop yourself from doing it. And I would say even past then, if you feel like you can't stop yourself from doing it, and it's beginning to interfere with what it is you already do, the way you make your living... I think it, you have to go through a time where there's some serious tension for time between two things that are making money. One of them being your regular job and the other one being this, this career that's developing. Does that make sense? I there has guess. to be competition. So when you do make the move and you go, I'm just going to go full-time music, you need to be at least halfway there on the income scale. I, ha-
1: I don't know. How you plan to do all this for me it's been partially an accident. I remember in high school um hearing some Buddhist monk <laughs> say uh, something along the lines of "Just do what you love and and give your whole heart to it and if if the money comes later, then so be it, or something like that now i don't know. How I feel about that now, but I know when I was in high school, I thought, well, that makes sense. There's certain things that I seem to enjoy a great deal that I think are good things, and I'm going to stop worrying about whether this is a good career decision, and I'm just going to pour my whole heart into it, and I mean, all shields down. You know, i I was so emotionally into it. I remember getting goosebumps. I remember almost feeling like I was in a, a deep, deep trance. I mean, I still get into my music. But back when I first started really getting into it, it was an intense, physical, emotional deal. And and it was obvious to me that I loved it, and I just poured myself into it. and um, And at the same time, I don't think I... I worked enough on the right things at the right times. I mean, it all seems like a happy little accident or, or some beautiful disaster. I, I don't know. How do you give somebody advice on this? Aaron O'Rourke came to me one time and said he was thinking about doing music full time. And
0: gosh. Wow. You know what's scary? And I don't know if Aaron listens to these or not. But Aaron's one of those guys. And this is the key to being successful. One of the keys that if it's good advice, and, and he's pretty good, I think, at discerning that kind of thing, and is comfortable saying, I don't like that, or, ooh, that's good, he actually does it.
1: Yeah, he's re- he's a good doer. Yeah,
0: he sets aside time, you know, specifically, and works on things. And, and I do and, not. Know, it, I have, Aaron, but I don't. Aaron is married. Don't. Aaron's married now, and he's still doing that, and he's working it out. and And I think he also... I'm speaking way ahead for Aaron and Nikki, but I think they want to have kids one of these days. You know, if it works out for them, and I think he also recognizes that the degree of productivity that you can have prior to children is is much greater than post children. See, I think part of an artist's
1: a part of an artist's job is not only to create their own art, but also to forge their own path through life. Uh, then that can you might do things financially or, you know, strategically, whatever. You might do it different than other people have. It, it's, I, th- I think the best thing I can tell somebody if, the, if they're saying, I'm thinking of going full time with my music is, is I, I, you know, I wish you the best. Let me know if I can help. But if they're asking for some overarching thing, I would just say, well, they're asking for help right now. Well, why so, don't they go play a tune instead? <laughs> why don't they go? No, that doesn't make sense. That's
0: not fair. It does a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm a believer that you, you get a gig by having a gig or making a gig if one doesn't exist. You know, you're out there playing. That's really important.
1: There's if a comedian I listened to an interview with, and he said, you know, a lot of times when he's in a club, he'll end up sitting at the bar before or after his act and it's not unusual for somebody to come up and sit next to him and say, "Hey man, I'm thinking about being a comedian." You know, "Do you have any advice for me?" And he always starts off by asking him, "What kind of comedic things are you doing now? Do you do you write? Do you, you know, what what has it been like? What's your pattern been like in your life?" And and I I there was another interview I I listened to about a writer and he was saying people are always coming up to him and talking about You know, they'd really like to write. And, you know, I'd I'd really like to be a better sight reader with the piano. But I've probably only sit down 20 times in my whole life seriously and worked on that. You know, so if you look at my pattern, I've chosen different things to do with my time. And I don't think that's, it's unfair to be like, too hardcore about this, but you gotta look seriously at what you're doing with your time, you know, versus and I guess, you know, maybe this guy's interviewing everybody kind of just getting and maybe he's gonna he's just gonna make it happen, forge his own path. I mean, I do wish him the best. and and maybe he'll jump into this thing whole hog and a year later, uh something'll happen in his life that makes him kind of Look at everything and do it different. It's
0: right. It's it's There's such a, mobile, a
1: hard thing to try to to just tell somebody do it, dude. You know, it's, I don't know. But why. there is some advice.
0: I think there is some advice that's good advice. Oh and sure, this guy, I'm sure. This but guy's 32 years old. What am I gonna tell somebody? Well, you might tell them things that you've learned from your successes or your mistakes, and they can both be helpful. Dude,
1: I love playing. I love it. I love being with friends. I love performing. I love figuring out the puzzle uh, I love working with other people Where you're, you're making music together uh, I love eating with people But there's so many parts of doing this full time That I'm, I feel so bad at uh, I don't even think I want to say I hate them It's just like I feel so bad at certain things right, and,
0: I want to not talk to you for a minute I want to talk uh, to him because <clears throat> So the things I'm saying now are not personal to you. Oh, gosh. But there are things I said that were personal to him. Uh, little things that I think are really important. So it, in your 30s, start saving. Start investing. Open a savings account. Well sure drink and, plenty of water. No, I want to stick with this one for a minute. If you're going to be an independent musician, you're not going to have the regular safety nets that are out there for people. <clears throat> and you have to want to to be a musician so badly, like you were saying, Steve, that you're willing to do the things you don't wanna do also. Like start a savings account, recognize that this is really important. It's the thing that's gonna allow yeah, you that's to keep healthy. doing this later in life. I'm saying that's a big deal. Pay your taxes. So many musicians don't. Yeah, I think you they, should report everything. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get that stuff going, you pay your taxes. You don't wanna worry you, about that stuff. You do that kind of stuff. You you do the things that you don't want to do that are even very non-musician-y, uh, not because you want to do them, but because you want to be able to do the things you want to do.
1: Yeah, like any job has this. Any job anybody loves is going to have an element. Like
0: yeah, this. but the difference in a job where you're doing it with a bunch of other people during the day or uh, societies is that there's other people that are going to be holding your feet to the fire if you don't do them. And if you step off on your own, there's nobody doing that. So you have to, I don't know. It's like you have to, I'm, I recognize I'm fortunate in that my wife is, uh, she's really good at, at keeping us going.
1: Yeah. Like she does uh, a whole lot.
0: She does a whole lot. And when I get a, when I have a gig, when I teach, just whatever, I'm, there are many more times than not. I never even open the envelope that the check comes in. I just give it to her and I say every now and then if I want to buy something, I ask her if I have any money and she says no or yes. <laughs> and if she says no, you know, I'm like. But- See, this is funny talking about this between
1: you and me because we are different. We are alike in some ways. But um, and don't just come back with some smart aleck comment. You seem to be better, much better than me at. Doing things whether they feel good or not. I'm not saying you're perfect at it, but you do I'm seem not. to be better at that. Um, you worked in a catering business for many years, you've built your own houses, you know, you you uh managed an NPR station or something like that. I mean, um you I I look at you, I watch how you react to things, the choices you make, and you there's some self-management that you do well. Me, on the other hand, like, I've, I paid a guy to help me recently. And he would come over, and I guess I was testing the waters with this guy. And he really didn't do much other than just be there. And I worked on my music stuff, email Phone messages, websites, class descriptions, you know, calling people to get a gig at a club or something. So this week we started our next phase, which is he's, he's going to attempt to manage me to some extent i'm afraid to tell anybody because they'll be like well who is this guy and how exactly does this work but i can (laughs) tell you this is
0: a podcast right now i know uh, i can tell you
1: that yesterday and then i'm gonna go see him today for three hours he was with me at my house yesterday for three hours you know he he did the kind of things dan you might do with me except he's not one of my best friends and you know as far as he's a good friend but for some I reason, Dan, angry. when you give me advice <laughs> or my mother gives me advice, that's a lot harder to take. This guy, is there's a little more separation and um, less emotion. Maybe that's all my fault. But anyway, he was like, what do you need to do? What are the things that absolutely are pressing? All right. Now, what order do you want to do them in? You know? And then he says, well, I would suggest doing them in this order. And then he's like, get to work. And the dude sits in the room and I work on these things. And then he's like, that's good enough. Well, let's jump on to the next thing or let's take a break. I mean, this sounds crazy, but I need help managing when I think about giving somebody advice about pursuing music full time. I don't know what kind of personality they have. You know, for me, I I love the playing, the teaching. Can I
0: interrupt you for just but a second?
1: know you can't. I need hmm. help with the things I'm bad at. And I don't think that's unusual. And for this dude, what is he bad at? What is he good at? I don't know anything about it. Maybe if I knew the guy better. I don't know.
0: You can interrupt now. Okay, so the, the, it's still the same interruption. In a way, it doesn't matter what he's good or bad at. Oh. Uh, I think the advice that is good for success is is good advice regardless of your personality. And sometimes just by giving that advice, like if you tell someone something that you know is true, not just because of your own experience, which is pretty weak if you go on just your own, but, you know, we have books. There's lots of successful people and you can read and you can learn and you can get the equivalent of, you know, a higher education in any of these fields And you'll learn mostly the same stuff. If you watch 100 TED Talks, if you read books by Malcolm Gladwell or Steven Pinker or, you know, any of these people, you end up with sort of the same basic advice. If you don't like that advice, it's not that there's something wrong with the advice. That's I think, was my point earlier. It kind of doesn't matter if his personality is right for getting these things done. Maybe that's the thing you need to work on is changing that personality. I don't training.
1: want to encourage somebody down a path that they're later going to regret, <laughs> but I guess that's life.
0: Yeah. What, what? yeah, I agree. Are you saying just doing it? My general advice is maybe you don't want to do this at all. Cause it's really, really hard. And I envy your situation in so many ways. Oh, I
1: know. It's like the grass is not always greener.
0: Um, yeah. I, well, I, one of the things he said to me, Steve, yeah. I remember this exactly was he said, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just sort of unhappy. I, you know, I've got a good job. It's solid, and I, and, I, and I like what I do, but I'm just really bored, and I really want to be doing this. I understand and, that. And my wife is saying to me, you know, maybe you ought to do this because if you don't, you'll never, you might never really have a chance to be happy. I
1: know. I want the guy to well, be wait, happy. Well, wait, wait,
0: wait. But then I said, you know what? But you still might not be because generally, and I think that's that personality thing as well, you sort of take your happiness wherever you go. Mm, yeah. And I think you've got to get to that place to where you can go, all right, I can I can do this thing. I joke when people ask me what I do because it's really hard. I liked your line. I am thinking about stealing it when you said I'm a professional driver.
1: Right. That's what and I the, do most uh, of the time.
0: <laughs> but I don't drive as much as you do. I, I bounce from one little project to the other and some of them are big. Producing four magazines a year is is a big job for me. It might be easy for somebody else, but it's just me and Angie and you know, we don't have a staff. So when somebody asks me what I do, you know, and and if I start listing things, I always end it halfway jokingly with, and you know, because I'm self-unemployed, I will wash your car if it pays enough. And that's only partially a joke because I am willing to wash a car if it means I get to keep doing what it is I do. Because I love what I do so much. I know, I, I really want, like it. Yeah, I want to stay self-unemployed for the rest of my life.
1: See, I I feel, I'm not suggesting we stop the podcast, but let me just tell you, emotionally, I feel like, wow, I just totally blew it with this guy. And let me be clear on this. For some reason, this is an, an ultra emotional topic for me, and I want this guy to be happy and I want him to do well. And but isn't it funny that it's such a crazy topic for me? Cause I I'm I, I know that I've gotten to ha- I've I've got to have a whole lot of fun. I've got to make some great relationships with people all over the planet. And um to really to get better at something and to and to really enjoy doing it, that's an amazing thing. I would never want to deny anybody that but but the the parts of it that are hard are weird and i can't even put my finger on all of them but working as an investment banker if you absolutely hate that or being a, a championship tennis player and hating tennis you know My ultimate advice, I'm now ready to give this man advice. (laughs) My advice would, this is just a little piece of advice. It's not the whole picture. You do not have to just drop your current job completely and only do music. I'm going to recommend, and this could be poor advice, that you start to do it gradually. That you somehow figure out... How to find a little more time, and you could even have a deal with your family, guys. For the next ninety days, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna be in the garage from eight to ten thirty. Practically,
0: you can't make a deal with a two year old.
1: You can make a deal if you've got a wife that's helping you. You know, if if I'm sure, there's guys who are investment bankers who are working on a a work. You know, they're writing some fiction. And I could see where somebody would make a deal with their wife. Hey, this this is something I want to see if I need to pursue, but I'm going to need a couple hours every other night or something. You know? Yeah. And a, and a dude can get workshops. Can can go do open mics locally. Can get well, in this at guy's, a festival. I, I, you know. I didn't say he has chops. Okay, well then it's even better. But you're you're thinking this is somebody. I don't care if you haven't been involved with like the festival circuit for a long time. You're still going to have to ramp up into that. See, I think a lot of times when somebody's thinking about going into a new business, they've got this idea that their current thing is all bad and this new idea might be all good. And they just want to drop the current thing and totally commit to that new thing. My advice, which could be bad advice, is to see if you can do it gradually. That's all.
0: Well, I think if you have gotten enough training so that you're thinking like an MBA, you don't do that. You don't make that mistake. What mistake? Of thinking that this latest thing is the greatest thing. You I might don't know, make it when, small- when you're
1: struggling with being sad and depressed, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter what you know. You, you're doing what you feel. I'm not saying that's right. It's just what happens a lot of the time. Yeah, I'm being careful not I to say that. I think there's plenty of people with an right. MBA. Is that a basketball team? I think there's yes. plenty of people with a lot of education who uh sometimes just say I don't want to do what I'm doing. I hate it.
0: You know, yeah, and you almost have
1: reasonable. to remind them of what they know is true so they don't just follow their heart completely because that's often a way to to bring disaster.
0: <laughs> well, there's that fine line with knowing what it is. You, first off, you got to know what it is you want to do. And I agree with what you said 100% that it has to be something that you almost can't stop doing because it's now I'm not talking about something that's, that's not my good other for you. advice. Yeah. So if it's something that you just dig, it's you're into it. Sometimes you have to go, I have to keep making these widgets because that's the thing that's allowing me to do this even a little bit right now. Yeah. And then grow that towards something. I'm going to do this and,
1: partially until my right. my youngest daughter is, you know. There are certainly times
0: though, there are certainly times though where you throw it all down and you take a risk. Yeah.
1: That's why I'm saying my advice not might not be right for him, but that's still my advice.
0: No, but I think the risks should come in small small sections as well. So if it's like somebody who thinks they might want to start they might want to be a builder for a living. You know, you build with the tools that you have for a long time, but at some point you realize I need a little more. And maybe you go ahead and you buy that next tool. Now, if that tool goes unused, that's a sign. Yeah, let's look at this like exercise. Yeah, and
1: I'll tell you what you don't want to do. Man, you get all excited because you want to do electronic dance music. So you figure out, oh, these are the three uh, pieces of software I need to get, and that, they total up to like sixteen hundred dollars. And these are the speakers I need; they're, they're three thousand for the pair. And oh, I got to get this MIDI controller for seven hundred dollars. And oh, I need a new computer if I'm going to do this. That's two grand. And and if you're not careful, you'll actually spend ten grand on a credit card and you haven't even sat down and written one piece of electronic music. Do you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely know what you mean. You get Been all there, excited
1: about yeah. the hobby yeah. and you figure out what's all the stuff I need, but you're talking about maybe doing it gradually because if you but if you Just
0: think Willie. Golly. Wait, wait. Just think of Willie Nelson's old guitar.
1: <laughs> In a way, but that thing it looks bad but it isn't.
0: <laughs> i know but but still it's i just that's one of, that's a good example it's like quickly okay so
1: well my friend russ yeah. he's getting to be a better guitar player and he's you know he's my age and um he's really making some good progress but he's got some nice guitars already uh he re- for, for in december he got a real nice electric so he says to me about a month ago that he's thinking of getting another electric, you know? And I was trying to say, look, that's okay. I don't, you know, but you're telling me you, you might not have the money to do this. You're wondering if you should, I'm telling you, you have a good guitar already. Why don't you go
0: play? (laughs) So forgive me for this David Wilcox moment. I just think he's the best uh, singer songwriter I've ever known. And this is, this is sound like I'm a commercial for him, but his stuff is so good. He has a song called Guitar Shopping, and I'm going to tell you the lyrics really quick because they're so short, but it's really meaningful, and I think of this one a lot. And This is from memory, so I might get it wrong if anybody looks it up. There's a guitar here in the window. I'd like to play before it's sold. It's such a classic. Mint condition. Great shape for one this old. Now, all these axes have their story of the gigs that they have seen, but when this one sold the first time, I was 17, Of course, back then, I didn't want it. It was way too new for me. I wanted something old and righteous with its own authority. So the first guitar I ever bought was twice as old as me because its life was full of music as I dreamed that mine might be. And I played that thing a thousand nights and traded it away for something slightly newer that was easier to play. Of course, lately, I buy new guitars. They're shiny as a hearse. I still like the look of road wear, but the roles have been reversed. And while this thing is a classic, I still don't need to buy because the old ones have their stories, but by now, so do I. That's one of your favorite songs. Oh,
1: gosh, that is so awesome. Well, let me and... be fair to Russell. Mm. Part of what Russell loves about music, because it's not his full-time thing, you know. Part of what he likes about music is getting excited about a beautiful guitar that's different than what he already has. And for him, uh, that's okay. part of the hobby is that. So that's... And I would argue as long as, you know, as long as you have the money to do that, I think that's
0: fine. I think the if you were to pull this, <laughs> somebody's going to be mad, but I think when you single out professions and the instruments that they own, the greatest number of great instruments are not in the hands of musicians that are full-time. They're in the hands of dentists. And I'm not going to, I don't want to be negative about that. I don't mean it in a negative way. I know, I mean, but I mean, yeah. it
1: could be easily said or interpreted that way. Uh, some of the finest violins are not owned by violinists. They're owned by banks.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: who, who loan those out to great players. You know, they've got, a, they've got a $4 million violin. They're loaning it out to a famous violinist. It's insured. It's an investment for them.
0: And And there is something to be said. I'm going to be clear about this. I owned one, two, three bow runs that I each paid the most expensive one of those was hundred twenty five dollars, probably, until I finally got a good one. Right. And I got it used. Randy Klepper found it, you know, and it was three hundred something dollars for something that looks not much different from the others. Right, but it is so much better. It is. I mean, there's a I want
1: to jump into something here jump and it's definitely related so there's a there's a post out on a website somewhere out there in the cyberspace and uh this guy says he wants to start playing the dulcimer he sees some on amazon you know he's wondering if they're okay he's wondering what brand he should get um he's saying he doesn't want to spend more than 250 but there's, you know, he's just wondering, can anybody give him advice? Um, and so, so he comes back, and he's, before anybody even had a chance to reply, maybe, and he just said, problem solved. I, I got a nice cardboard dulcimer for now. And, and personally, I think some of those are, I think that's a good idea. Some of those actually sound better than a lot of wooden dulcimers. But anyway, there's somebody that comments on this. So I just want to read this. I guess you can find it if you want to search for it.
0: Yeah, but if you don't say where it is.
1: Yeah, but they're going to find it anyway. But listen, this guy comes back with this. Dulcimers, and this is, I don't know, this is just a a few sentences. Dulcimers are one of those instruments where you want a handmade one done by a local guy. You did good by getting a cheapy cardboard one to practice with. While you learn and figure out what you want in a dulcimer, start looking... For local hobbyists or luthiers, uh, halfway through it here, the difference between a mass-produced one and a handmade one is huge, even if only for sentimental reasons. Uh, and then, I guess, I'm going to—and then he says— uh He's basically recommending you get a local one, even if it has imperfections. And then he says it's more about owning a connection to the history of the instrument. And that's, that's the line I want to comment on. This guy's giving advice to somebody who's looking to buy a dulcimer. And, and I think the main thrust of his advice is you want to find somebody who's local. You want to find uh, something that's handmade. And even with imperfections, possibly, this guy's suggesting it's, it's more about owning a connection to the history of the instrument. Now, I'm not going to say that this guy's opinion is wrong, because for this guy, it's more about owning a connection to the history of the instrument. That's the what guy that guy's it. In, in it for. you know.
0: The guy who's giving the advice. Yeah,
1: but the dude who's asking sure. for advice... That's right. What was never asked in any of this is, well, well, what do you like about the dulcimer? What do you want to do with it? What's important right. to you? Because, and, 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 and really, the, the guy who's answering, who's more about the history and the connection to that, I'm not going to knock that at all. But I do want to say, let's just pretend for a second that somebody wrote in and said, I need kidney dialysis. And um, can you guys recommend anything? And then somebody gets on here and says, well, it's important that you find somebody locally who's building a dialysis machine from scratch. And even if that dialysis machine doesn't quite work well, it's really more about owning a connection to the history of dialysis machines. Like for me, I know that's extreme, but for me, yes, I'm enamored with the history. I have been for decades. I am... I am totally into knowing the local builder and getting to know the guy. And that all feels really good. But my primary interest, and this is just me. I'm not saying everybody should be like this. It's a tool for me. It's got to work well. It's got to be serviceable. It's got to feel right. It's got to sound right. And 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 I'm even interested in, um, like when I said serviceable, is this something my local repair guy can work with or or? Or is it awkward for him? Or is the builder even going to be around? You know? Uh, so why am I ranting on this? Well, somebody uh, asked for advice. Right. And we should have started with what is your context? You know, what are you what are you interested in Dulcimer for? And the part of me I don't like that gets frustrated about I am not. Uh, I I haven't let you talk for a minute, but let me wrap it up with this. That's okay.
0: That's all right.
1: Handmade versus mass-produced. I look, this is one I hear maybe every week of my life, because somebody will say it's better to get a handmade dulcimer than a mass-produced one. So I looked these up. Handmade, made by hand, not by machine, typically, therefore, of superior quality. It bothers me that the dictionary, but I guess it's telling the truth. When most people hear handmade, they perceive superior quality. Um, th- then I go over to mass produced, and this one says uh, to mass produce as a verb is to produce large quantities of a standardized article by an automated mechanical process. So, I yeah, I, I, re- I play we- some dulcimers that people say are mass produced, and they're not.
0: Yeah, that's it's, stick to where you are on these definitions for a minute. Uh, I think. He- we're back to we're back to words and meaning again because words don't have meaning as much as they have usage and the usage. Yeah, defines and the them, dictionary the is
1: telling us what the, I guess the contemporary usage is.
0: That's well, no, it's telling us a broad usage. But in the when you're talking about instruments, when people say handmade, they're generally talking about they're thinking luthiers and they're thinking craftsmanship, but they aren't thinking hobbyists. I think the guy went wrong when he said a hobbyist because. These instruments, they're great instruments for hobbyists to build. They're they're great because they're relatively simple construction and they can be built without power tools almost completely. But the precision that's necessary for getting the frets right and all the stuff that you need to know about wood and sound and how the sound, you know, vibration and all that kind of thing, that comes with experience. Now, you might find somebody, I think, becoming a builder who starts out as a hobbyist is just like somebody who has a regular job and plays an instrument. If they do it enough, they get better and better at it. And pretty soon people are going, uh, hey, I want that because that sounds really great. Right. And the thing that you talked about as far as the history and the connection to the tradition and all of that, that's really well and good, but that's ancillary to the fact that you play. the If, if you had gotten into, what did you say earlier, electronic dance music? Right. If you had gotten into electronic dance music, you would have no interest in the history and tradition of instruments and builders on dulcimers. Uh, say that again? If, if your main interest was electronic dance music and you had really gotten into that, you wouldn't be interested in the history of dulcimers so much. You're interested in that history because you like the instrument. And so, you know, you become interested in that as a side thing. It's an ancillary thing. I don't know, but there's some people...
1: Who may, might be history buffs, whether it's yeah. wine or whatever, and they yeah. are me- – No, I, I know some people in the Mountain Dalsamore world who have – they've got a little area of focus that they are but just that's good fine. at and they love, and it's not yeah. playing it.
0: But that thing – yeah, but they're into that thing, and, and I'm agreeing with you on that. However, what does Steve Seifert say – to that person who gave that advice which on most levels you would say hey wait a second you aren't really answering this guy's question you're answering your own so you're you're, you're telling your story you know yeah and we're answer.
1: presuming it's okay to do that when somebody says what should i buy it's we understand that you're going to give your perspective you know but what I,
0: no 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 i'm talking about you the professional steve yeah what do i say because to your who? word you're an expert. And oh, so I am, yeah. You're, yeah, so your word means a lot. And so who do I give advice to? How do you, wh- yeah, what advice, do, what would you tell him, basically? Tell who? About the guy who bought the uh, cardboard dulcimer, who said, hey, I'm okay for now.
1: Well, I mean, if I answered his original post, I would be like, hey, so-and-so's recommended that it's more about the history, and for some people it is. But I can tell you from my standpoint, it's more about having an accurate uh, tool that feels and sounds right, you know, and is useful to me. And um, so while a local builder might be the way to go for you, be careful about getting too picky about whether it's handmade or mass produced, because um, I know some of the lines are blurred, but really all these mountain dulcimers you're going to be picking from what you know, whatever you buy, for the most part, I I call it handmade. Even if there is a, an assembly line involved, sometimes, um, don't worry too much about that. Find something that you think sounds good and feels good and looks right. And unfortunately, until you're into this hobby enough, it's going to be hard to maybe make the best choice. So, I, I, my advice right. is find somebody where you think they sound great. You just think what they're doing sounds great. Figure out what they've got, how they've got it set up. Ask them if you can try it, if you have that option. And, and just, you know, you want to get something that's in the ballpark for the first few years. It, you're not looking for the perfect instrument. You're looking for something that's, that's in the ballpark.
0: And they're still handmade. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, nowhere in the world does there exist a place where there's a conveyor belt that has dulcimer parts moving down it.
1: Yeah, this is a great topic, dude. <laughs> because maybe in China. Like the I don't think so. The one closest to it. And I and I've got a I've got another half of this that I need to bring out. But the first half of it is uh, there was those dulcimers at at Walmart for a little while. Um
0: yeah.
1: If you actually got one of those and put uh, immediately put good strings on it right away. You just made it a lot better instrument um, because they shipped with just really terrible strings. I perceive I could be wrong, but uh, I'm not. I I don't like to say those were terrible dulcimers because I've seen some people with them and they did a little work on them and they were pretty good. But that might be the closest thing to a mass produced instrument from Asia. I think they're made in Asia.
0: I think they don't exist anymore.
1: They, they probably don't. Now, the other half of that is I've watched videos on things like radios and different things that are made um, in, in China, and there's still a whole lot of hand work going on some of these items that we just presume are made by robots. I mean, there's even if we could find somebody who was pumping out thousands of dulcimers a week, we still don't know how much of that is, is hand work. But I, I'm going to agree with you. For the most part, I don't think there's any mountain dulcimers that aren't handmade. And, right. and I've been to McSpadden. And here's how McSpadden does it. At least how they did it the The last time I was there you know, in the shop and stuff. And this is how Lynn McSpadden did it. They've got these big bins in the back. And every month... Like one month, they'll cut all the heads. And then another month, they'll do the fingerboards. And then another month, they'll do the tops. And I don't know what their schedule is. But they'll do like all the fingerboards at one particular time a year. And then they use those throughout the year, unless there's some kind of custom job, I guess. Um, Now, I've heard some people talk bad about that. Like that's a factory. That's a dulcimer factory. No, it isn't. You're just talking about somebody who's trying to do something well. There's still right. there's still a very small you know there's still two or three guys in the shop piecing yeah, everything want, together yeah. and all yeah. that. I
0: hate that we call that a dulcimer factory. That's it's not It's not a factory. I want my luthier which is what I'll call him, <laughs> you know, if you're talking about Lynn, are you talking about Jim uh Jim, right? Well, Jim now, yeah. Yeah. Or whether you're talking about Ray Moore's uh, at Dusty Strings or or um my goodness, why am I drawing a Blake for uh, Steve up at Folkcraft? Not Steve, but his brother. Oh, Richard. Richard up there, or uh, who else? Or, or Mark Roongi, you know, who's, who's starting out.
1: I hope we don't get in I, trouble, but Richard, Mark, and Jim at McSpadden, Folkcraft, all, no, but, these are all handmade dulcimers.
0: No, I, I mentioned Mark because he's at the other end of the spectrum. I mean, he's Jerry Rockwell.
1: Let's let's say Jerry Rockwell and Mark, you know, they're yeah, they might might be doing one at a time, might might not be using as many power tools, but it's still,
0: you know, all I Here's all I want to say. These guys are luthiers and I want them able to build with the best tools they can in the way that they think is the best way to build the best instrument. Uh, Yeah. I don't. And if they think building 10 headstocks at once allows them to really hone in, and doing 10 fretboards at once allows them to perfect their fretboards, leave them alone. And I'm so glad we have them. I'm a little concerned. This is something I want to pursue in Dulcimer Players News, and I need to do an article about some of these people who build one-off and are trying to do it professionally. Uh, and, And I'm not putting down hobbyists either, but people who really are into craftsmanship. We need more of those. We need more of those people. Uh, or th- I think that's the biggest danger to dulcimers in the future is that we don't have those people coming in. You think we don't? I wish there were more. I, th- I, can th- I think there's more than you think. Maybe. And that's why I wanted a story about it. And it would probably be good for them too, for more people to know, you know, who's, who's doing what. See, I, I
1: want to give these guys the benefit of the doubt and trust them to do not only what they think is right, but what they also enjoy. And, to, to go around the country to festivals, if I was to gripe about, well, this one's handmade, and this one's made in a factory, and blah, 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 I'm not interested in doing that. I've, I love my McSpadden dulcimer. The, the, I mean, I've got a, more than one, but the one I've been playing since 90, what, 95 or something like that. I love it. And I've used it on a lot of important work. And it's funny because I, you know, like I had somebody come up to me and they kind of laughed at me and they were like, I'm surprised you're using a (laughs) McSpadden. And I wanted to be like, you know, I don't want to be arrogant, but I did want want to say, what do I know about dulcimer? You know, the reason I'm using that thing is because it kicks butt, you know?
0: Yeah. And and being smart enough to know what not to say is really important in, uh, Doing this for a living.
1: And and I've I've had you know, I've had Blue Lion and I've had uh Folkcraft and, and Jerry Rockwell and David Beattie and I seriously could keep going on and on and on and on. And when I find an instrument that I that I like, man, that takes care of a certain job for me, I don't I'm not sitting there trying to figure out what ratio of handmade versus factory made. I just Oh, I sure don't want to get in trouble, but I
0: I think that's kind of stupid. There, I said it. There, you said it. Hey, I got to get back to uh, other words. Here's what I'm doing today, my friend. I'm editing this uh, Bowron part. We've got a few wrap-up things. The Dulcimer Players News summer issue came out last week, and uh, I hope everybody's got that by now. If you don't subscribe, I hope you will. What else is up today? Uh, Whatever else you got going on. We, teaching my grandson to swim. Well, that's, that's important. Fun. You know what, Steve? That's like learning how to play an instrument. Well, yeah. I'm learning so much by watching this little human being learn. So here's my, here's my touch. It's not even that touching. It's just we go about twice a week, and he starts out not wanting to wear the floaties because he wants to be carried around. Then he wants to wear the floaties because he can float around and have some freedom. Then he wants to be on a step and put his head under for just a second. This is over the course of weeks. Yesterday, he was going under, you know, kneeling down, going underwater and staying under for two to three seconds and then popping back up without having choked because he's uh, but he's doing this on his own. I'm not talking him into anything. Then uh, he wants to see me. We're at the place now where he wants to see me jump off the diving board and have him throw me something to try to catch. And he's getting close. He'll be maybe if it stays warm a few weeks longer, he may be jumping off that diving board soon. And that's how you learn an instrument. You know, you just keep doing the thing that you're doing until you're comfortable with
1: it. Hey, I want to give advice to that guy again. The guy who maybe wants to go full-time on the music.
0: Yeah, we never did go back into that.
1: Well, I want to honor, sir, I want to honor your effort to go out there and talk to people who are doing it and get the information and the different perspectives. I think that's awesome. And if you really love this and you want to do it, I wish you the best. I hope you can um I hope you can make the most the I hope you can make the most of your bliss and at the same time respect your responsibilities and you, you, nothing has to be perfect, you know. If I can help in any way, let me know. Give it your best shot, man. And it, and if if it if you got a family that's willing to back you on it, too, go for it.
0: Yeah, that's a big deal. All right, Steve. Good night, You've Dan. exhausted an hour. See ya.